Father, I, I pray that, that this morning uh, would be a morning where we can change, where we can see you in a new way, where uh, the old way uh, will fade away and our new identity in you will become strong, will become who we are. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and your name, amen. Many, uh, many years ago, I, um, I used to do Young Life ministry, and I think I've mentioned this before, and we used to take kids up to a camp called Malibu Camp in Canada. Has anyone been to Malibu Camp in Canada? Only one. Really? Only one? Oh, my goodness. Is it like the best week ever? Oh, two. There we go. Two or three. There we go. It is, it is, uh, man, you got to go. You got to just go check it. It rivals, it rivals this Malibu. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, so for many years, I don't know, four or five years in a row, we, we took high school students up to, uh, to Malibu camp in Canada. And one of the things, one of the common themes that always happened during cabin time um, with the guys was that they would always have this intense desire to change. That they wanted this camp experience to create change in their life. That, that they wanted what was happening uh, at the camp experience to, to continue on when they went back home. And that, that real change would happen in their lives. And honestly, I think the older you get, um, the more cynical you can become towards real change. Can you change? Is it, is it truly possible for you to change as a person? It's difficult. It is difficult. One of the things that, one of the reasons why I am a Christian is that the Bible never promises simple answers to the hard problems of life. Um, the reality of, of, of significant change, internal change, is, is difficult. Um, thankfully, though, the Bible does say and does promise that change can happen, that you can change, that it is possible for you to change. Some of us may be more difficult than others. Um, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday of this week, I had, a, I had my planning period. I had, I had lunch and then my planning period. And I had to run to Santa Monica to do an errand. And, um, and I parked in one of the parking structures there by 3rd Street and uh, did my little thing and, and came back. And I couldn't find my car. And, and honestly, I'm pro- my own honest assessment as far as like my ability to like have directions and follow, find things and know north, south, I feel like I'm pretty good, but this is the second time this has happened to me. About two weeks ago, uh, I went to USC for some day conference thing, and I, I pulled into the parking structure in the morning, and there was like literally, literally like two cars there. And so I parked, didn't really pay attention. I came back that afternoon, and the thing was full. And I'm like, what the heck? Where's my car? And literally walked around for 20 minutes. Well, this week... Um, I told Todd I wouldn't tell anyone this except for my wife and because I was so, I couldn't find my car. Literally, I'm not joking, a, about a half an hour. And I was getting, it was, it was one of those things where I was getting so mad and so irritated with myself that it was like this, as I look back, it was almost like this joke. 
Like God was playing on me. Because I was getting, so, I was like in this spiraling, downward spiral thing of anger and frustration that I kept doing the definition of insanity. <laughs> Walking around in circles, hoping that my car would just appear. The same floor. So I went from level three, four, five, like probably four or five times, and my car wasn't there. And I was getting so mad. And uh, yeah, hopefully you have realistic expectations of church leaders that were just as flawed as the rest of you. And, um, and I kept thinking, okay, what, the whole anger thing. I, I'm not that angry of a person, but it was revealing itself in my life at that moment. And it was just this ridiculous cycle. So finally, after literally half an hour, I had to get back. I was going to be late for work. So late for work, can't find my car, I'm an idiot, keep doing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> Finally, I realized that I need to go up one more floor, and, and there was my car. So anyways, my point is this, is that, that our old self, that the, the, the person that we died to when we, we became a Christian, comes back often. And that real Real change from the inside is difficult. But we're, we are called, we are called to live differently than, than our, our, our life before Christ. Then our, then we're called to live differently than people around us that don't uh, acknowledge God. And this morning, um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24, is really is about change. It's about how you can change. And it is possible. You, you can change. And the Bible does not promise some simple, easy, easy formula on how to do that. But here is the basic idea that you'll find this morning from Ephesians chapter 4. You must, you must do these things. You must, you must put off something. You must renew your mind. And you must put on something. You need to put off and you need to put on. And you need both. Um, wh- what happens is we often make one or two mistakes. We're really good at, at the putting off. Where, and, and this tends to happen in more conservative churches where you just it's always about no, no, no. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Here's your list. Don't do. So the, the putting off. The other extreme mistake, though, is that um, we don't put anything on. That's the idea of, of um, let God and let go. You just, just let God just do it. And, and Paul is going to say this morning that you've got to do two things. If you want to really change in your life, you have got to put off something. You've got to renew your thinking. And you've got to put on something. So if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. And we will look at how you can change. How you can change. Chapter 4, verse 17 says this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous 
have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to the practice of every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now the reality is that all of us need to change. Some of you talk too much and you need to learn to stop talking. You need to talk less. Some of you talk too little and you're shy and you're reserved and you just, you're always hesitant to speak. Some of you need to change because you're holding on to your past and it's controlling who you are as a person. Some of you are just happy all the time and it's fake and, you're, and you just don't ever want to deal with the realities of life's problems. Some of you are greedy. Some of you give your money away too freely. Some of you love the wrong things. Some of you spend your time doing useless things. Some of you have such rigid, tight schedules and you're so type A that you can never just break free and relax. Some of you here this morning need to learn how to relax and enjoy your life. Some of you, some of us, need to worry less. Some of us need to let go of the anxiety of life. We all have things that we need to change about our life. And the passage this morning is about that, that you can change. That you, that, that us as a church community, we all have the power through the gospel to change how we live our lives. And Paul begins this, with this way. He begins by assessing our old life. And Paul is just going to, he's going to peel away the veneer, the outer layer of culture, of a a culture that lives without God. And here's what he's saying. In verses 17 through 19, he's telling us this, that the old way has to go. The old way has to go. And he is going to hit with clarity what exactly the old way is. Um, He is going, here's one way to think about this. He is going to take an X-ray picture of what it looks like to live without God. We've all uh, seen the effects or the benefits of Photoshop or photo editing. You, we can all have amazingly perfect skin and blue eyes and white teeth and just look spectacularly beautiful through photo editing. But x-ray, an x-ray shot of your heart, an x-ray shot of culture, reveals the, the truth of where people stand without God. And that's what Paul is saying. He's he's describing a life without God. What does that look like? This is is who we once were. And as we get into this, Paul's intent is to not be demeaning or to say that, um, that, that people without God can't think. But what he's saying is that without God, there is a futility to life without God. And he will describe it. There are just several things here, all right? Number one, 
the number one thing about the old way of life that must go is this. And he says this in verse 17, is that there is a flawed, a flawedness in our thinking, that there are flaws in our thinking without God. Now I say this, and I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk. Again, the analogy of walk, that's just your lifestyle. That you must no longer walk, that your lifestyle must no longer be as the Gentiles. And what is the, their quality of life, or what is their life like? There is futility in their minds. There is vanity in their minds, in their way of thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. He's just giving the reality of life to people who reject God. And we see this... um, you just, you just have to turn on the news to see the depth and the consequences of sin, of people who reject God. It is a downward spiral. It's almost as if, and this is parallel, and we might turn there, this is parallel to Romans chapter 1. And it's the idea of this. It's almost, it's as if a, if you can picture a dog on a leash, a wild dog on his leash that just keeps pulling and pulling on his leash. That's deceived by the desires. And God unleashes the dog and goes free to indulge in the destructive nature of his own sinful desires. There's just a downward spiral effect of life without God. It says there is a hardness of their heart. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality to greedy, sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. There are, there are desires within us that, that the Bible refers to as deceitful desires. And, and, and an example of that would be things like addictions, where we have these desires for things, but they are deceitful desires, where at first glance they seem like they will satisfy. If you've, uh, if, you've, if you've been around people who struggle with addictions and um, the, the passion or the intense desire, whether it's alcohol or, or some other substance, where for a moment it satisfies and then the tremendous guilt and shame that goes along with that. But then what happens a short time later, that deceitful desire comes back again and you want it again and you want it more, whether it's addictions to pornography or alcohol or, or anything that wants to distort the reality of life, the Bible refers to those as deceitful desires, things that hide God's true purpose for your life. A life without God, a life without God leads toward a distortion of His plan for you. Martin Luther uh, referred to this section of Scripture as, and if you like your Latin this morning, he referred to it as homo incurvatus in se. A human being curved in upon itself. A life without God has a natural curved in bent towards self-preservation. A lack of self-awareness. 
a blindness towards how selfish you really are. This, uh, this works itself out in just in kind of almost hilarious, kind of funny um, everyday life, how people just lack a self-awareness and, they, and just how, it, <clears throat> how their behavior affects other people. One theologian mentioned it or, or explained it like this. Whatever you desire the most, that's what will control you. Whatever you desire the most, that is what will control you. And you will never be able to walk with God <clears throat> until you realize who you are without Him. You will never be able to walk with God until you realize who you are without Him. Paul is saying, this is who we all once were. This is who I was. This is who people that, that live without God, this is who they are. Paul's solution then <clears throat> is the mind, is thinking. And I've, I've mentioned this from the very beginning that, of our church, that, that we want to maintain a tension between two things. We want to be a thinking church where we engage our minds, our brains, and think carefully about God's Word. But we also want to experience His love and His compassion. And so while at one sense those might seem at odds with each other, we strive for both. That we want to have um, uh, an intellectual understanding that we want to pursue and strive to be clear-thinking people. We also want to experience all of who God is. But Paul is going to say, the solution to this problem is that you think. And he uses education language. Verse 20 says this, but this is not the way you learned Christ. This is not who you are. So he's admonishing people, believers in his church, who most likely were sliding back to the old way. And Paul is saying, and what he's saying to us this morning, this is not how you learned Christ, to slide back to the old man, the old way. That's not who you are. He says in verse 20, that's not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you've heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. And so that's his transition. First, you heard about Him. Someone told you about Him somewhere along the line in your life. You heard about Jesus. But then he says you were taught about Him. That there is a process that goes on towards maturity The remaining part of the passage is about that, about what it means to learn Christ, about how you actually change. Here's what he says, starting verse 22. The beginning point of how you actually change to put off the old self, put off your old self, which belongs to the former, former manner of life that is corrupt through deceitful desires. This is the starting point that daily, that who you are as a person, the old man must go away. The old lifestyle must be put away. You, you will never change. You will never change unless you deal honestly with that as a regular part of your life. Because you'll just want, the natural thing will just to, to forget and just fade away. And you, you must remember 
as Jesus said, you must daily pick up your cross and follow me. And we forget that the cross and that the purpose of that and that point is the cross is not just a fun little thing that goes on your neck that looks nice. It's a death apparatus. It's a death device that daily, that the old man, the old way of life, the old way of living without God, that man must be put off. That man must be put away. That's not who you are anymore. And he's saying, listen, Christianity is a, is a thinking it's a thinking religion. It's a thinking relationship. And it requires honest assessment from all of us. And here's the thing. The, the, one of the hardest things about what I do is that I, I have to think about this all week. You get to think about it when I'm speaking to you right now, but I've been thinking about this all week, that I, my own life, and how it relates to who I am as a husband, a father, a teacher, what, every area of my life, that every day the old man must die, that it will fight for survival, that it requires radical action. If I desire to continue to grow and mature in my life, this has to be the key component of it, to put off the old self. And here's the key part of this. He says, Paul says, which belongs to your former life, former manner of life, the old way you used to live, and is corrupt, through deceitful desires. And there he talks about that again. The deceitfulness of desires. That we think we want something. We think something will satisfy. But there is a deceitfulness of the desires of the old man. So the old man must be put off. Something must be stopped. The old man must be stopped. Put off. Take off. Whatever word you want to use. End. Put to death. Whatever word you want to use, the old man must go away. Verse 23 then transitions and says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. I'm going to hold off on that for just a minute. And I want to go on to the next thing. Verse 24 says this, and to put on the new self, created in the likeness of God. So it's not just, it's, it's not just one part, it's two parts. Putting off the old man and putting on the new man. There's a really interesting story, and I believe it's in um, Luke chapter 11, where Jesus uh, casts out a demon. Um, but, but nothing happens after that. And several demons... So there's an exchange. Jesus casts out the demon, but there's no, there's no putting on of anything, and a multitude of demons come back in him, where it's worse off than he was to start with. So there's two parts to this. Putting off and putting on. Putting on your identity in Christ. It's just like if you plant, um, if you pull out weeds of a garden and you don't plant anything else in the soil, weeds will come back. It requires two parts. If you want to change, the old man must go away and your identity in Christ must be put on. That is who you are to train yourself to think of yourself as one whose identity is in Christ. Verse 23 is a very difficult verse to, to understand as far as the grammar and, and what's going on here, but most people think, most scholars think, 
that is talking about the attitude of your mind, not, not God's spirit. Verse 23, go back up one verse. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That's talking about how you think. How you think about yourself. Who, who are you? In the midst of all the busyness, I know it's a busy week for lots of people with work or school and getting close to Christmas, but to take a moment to think, who are you? Is the old man gone? Are you putting on the new man? Are you renewing your mind, the attitude of your mind? It's essential. I'm going to show you one I'll show you a, a case study. If we have any psychology majors or people that like to study such things, I think you're kind of crazy, but we still like you anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, here's a case study of how we all think. Have your Bible turn to Joshua for just a moment, please. Joshua. And I'm gonna, I'll be done here in a few minutes. A case study on how we think. How we think the wrong way. All right, um, Joshua chapter 7, verse 19. Joshua chapter 7, verse 19 says, This is the story of Achan. Everyone know the story of Achan? I remember as a kid because we always called it Achan stole the bacon. Have you heard that before? I don't know where that came from, but it helps you remember. All right, the case study on how we think. Verse 19 says this, Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to Him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan, and Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and this is what I did. Alright, watch the progression of his thinking here. And, and watch how this fits into our own lives. It says in verse 21, When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 550 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. Achan, Achan deliberately dis disobeyed God in, in the instructions here. And here's the progression of his thought. Number one, he saw it. He saw, he saw the booty. He saw the prize. He grabbed it. He saw it. Number two, he assessed the value. Here, this is interesting. Okay, so the, the, this is after a victory and there's all the gold and everything. He sees it. And the Bible says 200 shekels of silver. So he assessed the value. And a, and a gold bar weighing 50 shekels and an amazingly beautiful blanket. So he saw it. He assessed the value. Third, he coveted it. Fourth, he took it. Fifth, he hid it. The case study of flawed thinking. And this is so often what we do. We, we rationalize and we justify 
living our lives independent from God, of doing things our own way. We see something that looks beautiful, that looks attractive. We assess the value. What, can I afford it? Is it good? Can it, what's the cost-benefit analysis of this? What's the risk factor? In his heart, he saw something there that he wanted. He took it and then hid it to remove himself or to hide from the shame or the guilt or the embarrassment. The, the nitty-gritty of life is that we make assessments, we think, we, we see things, we cover things, we want things, we desire things without renewing ourselves, without renewing the way we think. And here's what I mean. And we'll start with applying this to Aiken first. The how-to of helping you make change in your life is exchanging Aiken's thought process of seeing, assessing, coveting, taking, hiding, exchanging that with what God has done for you. Exchanging that with what God has already done for you. And if you think back to the story of the Hebrews at this point, they had spent 400 years in slavery, had a brutal life in Egypt. God rescued them, had done all of these crazy supernatural things, miracles in, in their lives to show how much He loved them and cared for them. And yet still, He ignored God, ignored the command. To exchange the deceitful desires, there needs to be an exchange between the deceitful desires and God's goodness for you. And that is the trap of life. That is the trap of deceitful desires where we need to train ourselves to think, to remind ourselves of God's goodness for you and how He wants to bless you by living the new way, by living with your Christ identity. There has to be an exchange of thought, of clarity of thought to understand how much he loves you and the good things He wants to bring to you. Paul is saying this, that if you really want to change, if you want change to happen in your life, you've got to put off the old man. and You've got to put on your Christ identity every day. It's easy just to stand up here and say this. I, I understand that. And the reality is the only way that this will happen in your life is if you exchange the deceitfulness of the evil one with the truth of God's goodness for you. Some of, we, some of us just need to say, just need to change in that way that God wants to bless you, that He wants to be good to you, that He wants to give you amazingly good things, that He wants to bless you with healthy relationships. He wants to bless you with so many good things. And there is a fight, there is a battle, there is a spiritual battle for your thought press process to deny that. For you to go towards the deceitful desires. There has to be the great exchange for you to buy into the reality, the truth of what God has done for you. He concludes in verse 24 <clears throat> that the new person created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That this new person, that the new you, that the new, the new exchange creates righteousness and holiness. 
There are things, I, I know that as in a group this big, that there are some of you here this morning that you need to exchange the deceitful desires that you're holding on to for God's goodness that He wants to give to you. And when that exchange happens, your life will produce righteousness and holiness. In chapter 4, verse 1, he began this section by saying, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, to live a life worthy of the gospel. We mentioned several weeks ago when we started Ephesians that 1 through 3 is all about everything that God has done for you. That He has given you everything you need to live out the Christian life. Chapters 4 5 are about you walking it out. You living it out. God has given you um, everything you need to live out the lifestyle that He has asked you to live. The expectations and the requirements of following Jesus are high but can be carried out because of what He has done for us. As I've been thinking about this, the whole concept of change this week and in my own life, there are definitely things um, in my life that need to be changed. And here's one of the things, as far as thinking, just, just to help you, just some practical things to help you on this, that I was thinking about this week. We often spend so much of our time thinking about things that we have no control over. If you want to grow up in Christ, stop wasting your time thinking about things you have no control over. We, we all, I'm, I'm guessing we all fall into this trap. Things dominate our minds, our thought process, for days or hours that you have absolutely no control over. Just remember, God is in control. Stop wasting your time on things you have no control over. We also, I spin my wheel sometimes thinking about three things at once, right? School stuff, marriage, family, boys, and here's what I'm training myself to do. When I'm home with my family, I'm not thinking about school, I'm not thinking about church stuff, I'm not thinking about any of you, I'm thinking about my boys. I'm going to play with my boys. When it's school time, think about school stuff. If I'm studying for church stuff, study. You'll, you'll never accomplish anything if you try to think about three different things at once. And you'll just be frustrated because you don't ever, you're never productive in your life. The last thing I thought about this week was that you allow, I allow, we allow our past to control who we are today. And there is freedom. There is real change when you understand who you are in Christ, when you remember that the old man is gone, the old you is dead, all of the fears, the insecurities, the loneliness, all of the former things of who you once were, that person is gone. You are in Christ now. The past does not define who you are. I know that some people here have had difficult backgrounds and, and grown up in difficult places, difficult homes. 
break free. The old man is gone. Live who you are in Christ today. The new you is in Christ. There is freedom in that. Don't, don't leave this morning unchanged. If there are things in your life that you need to change, it might mean um, repenting and confessing of sin and saying, I need to renew my mind. I've been deceived in my thinking and I need to exchange God's goodness in exchange for the deceitful desires I've been living with.